We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel and Matt Brooks. And special guest today, Nolan Jensen. Guys, how we doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm uh I'm excited. We got a presser tomorrow, which will be cool. Like the first first time I've turned on Yes Network in what a month, I guess. <laughs> now almost a month, three weeks. So that'll be cool. Um, excited to do that. Excited to hear from him. Um, it's gonna finally feel real. I hope. Like that. Yeah. I remember the media day last year was like the first time I was like, oh wow, okay, this uh, Kevin Durant guy is is in Brooklyn now. That's interesting. So yeah, I'm excited for that. I'll be honest with you. This is my last hour of freedom. My, uh, I got a new semester starting up in an hour, so I'm glad to be on here with you boys. It's been a while. This last hour of freedom, I'm excited to talk a little Steve Nash with you boys. Oh, Canada. <laughs> Just the gotta, connection. Gotta give, uh, gotta give Canada love. We've got the, the, the Canadian goat, Nolan Jensen, on. We've got a Canadian coach. Uh, it's the As I like to say, whenever we have Nolan on, it's the United Nations at the Brooklyn Buzz right now. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right, before we get into a quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, where are we starting? 
Uh, guys, before we do start, um, we had a, a listener jump on and he gave us some feedback on the pod. We obviously chatted for like 70 minutes and we didn't mention, I guess, one of the sort of hot topics related to Steve Nash's hiring. So I'm just going to give a little bit of a comment about it. We don't need to have four white guys discussing the, the race element of the hiring. What I will say is that there is definitely an issue within the NBA when it comes to race, not just in coaching ranks, but in the front offices. And hopefully the the things behind the scenes with the, with the board of government Governors with the players is going to address that. We have uh, currently five uh, NBA, black NBA head coaches. There are a few vacancies right now, and hopefully, guys like Ime Yudoka and Nate McMillan, Alvin Gentry uh, are around the ranks and, and they do get hired because they're, they're worth it. Um, but I think that other people have said that it's not necessarily white privilege that Steve Nash got this job, but it's superstar privilege because we saw KD and Kyrie, they got their man. And he is a superstar. And it just happens to be that, you know, Steve Nash is a white Canadian bloke. And yes, there is an element of white privilege in in life in general. But when it comes to this hiring, I think it's, um, I don't think it's necessarily as prevalent. But the first thing I wanted to get to, guys, is the style of play that you believe Steve Nash will play. There's a couple of articles out there. Sean Marks did make the, the uh, a mention of an ESPN show that he thinks that, and these are some elements that I took from it, ball movement pace uh, steve nash is very curious takes some things from golden state fun and entertaining we know that steve nash has been a part of i think some of the greatest offenses statistically in the history of the sport nolan what are you thinking about the style of play let's go with both ends of the floor because it's almost it's we can't even hypothesize the defense but i want to hear what you think steve nash will bring to the x's and o's of the 2020-2021 brooklyn nets it's tough, obviously, because we have no uh, sample size of any schemes or any team successes he had in previous stints because, obviously, there are no previous stints. What I'm looking for with Steve Nash hiring, I think the main thing is malleability. Um, obviously, we just you know had Kenny X for the last four seasons, and he was a great player development coach. It really helped the Nets uh, progress here through their new era. But ultimately, in March... You know, Sean Marks and company and obviously Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving felt like he wasn't going to be the man moving forward. And I, I've learned to, you know, accept it. Uh, I was a Kenny Atkinson apologist for a long time. But now that I reflect on his time spent in Brooklyn, especially this year, malleability was always a thing that kind of escaped him. It was it was always the in, lack of in-game adjustments, maybe rotations, maybe not giving his main guys big minutes. And we're seeing that right now with Coach Bud, especially in the second round of the playoffs here against the Miami Heat and a lot of Coach Bud's errors in his rotation. I kind of saw it in Kenny Atkinson. So what I'm looking for with Steve Nash is that malleability. And it's obviously going to help that he's going to have Jacques Vaughn, the lead assistant, and I think more notably, the highest paid lead assistant in the league at his side. Um, There's been rumors that we're going to re-sign Jamal Crawford, that player coach dynamic. He's going to have him as well. So he's going to have plenty of help in his rookie campaign. And even if he's a rookie, I mean, this is this is Steve Nash. The resume speaks for itself. He had the uh, few years there in Golden State as a player development consultant. He was with KD. He worked alongside KD. Um, Bob Myers and that Adrian Wojnarowski in ESPN's piece said it doesn't matter what room he walked into, he can command respect. I mean, this is a guy that gave Steph Curry tips on his jump shot. Like, Steph Curry is <laughs> the greatest yeah. shooter the NBA has ever seen. He's not going to take tips from just about anybody. So... I am I'm excited. I think they're going to play a fast-paced offense, kind of like a Gentry style. I heard that that was rumored to be the case. Anyway, on a defensive end, I'm not so sure yet. Um, Kenny Axon actually did have pretty solid defensive schemes. I mean, this was the eighth-ranked team in defensive rating, despite on paper them not really having too many great individual defenders. 
Um, I think defense is going to be an issue early on just because, you know, this roster hasn't really played together yet. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant haven't taken the floor as teammates yet outside of an all-star game. So the first 15, 20 games, I expect some defensive woes. But just like this year, they can also turn those around. So it's going to be – there's going to be plenty of growing pains. Ultimately, I'm excited. Steve Nash obviously is a great basketball mind. Um, he can command respect out of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and that was going to be a prerequisite, prerequisite sorry, for any coaching candidate. And he's going to have help on that coaching staff. Um, I'm going to keep this brief. I think that I have a good idea what they're going to play like, regardless of who they, they hired. Um, defensively, I think you're going to see a mix of, and I'm just looking at the personnel that they have. And if, if Nash is a good coach, which I think he will be, um, He'll realize that you obviously can't switch one through five if you're going to be playing DeAndre Jordan starting minutes, which I think is pretty much set in stone at this point. So I think they're going to be playing quite a bit of, you know, some zone, maybe playing him in drop a little bit. And you might be switching screens at really the top of the key. Anywhere that there's like a high screen, I'm sure the Nets are going to try to switch that. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll play really honest. I don't know. But um, defensively, I think that because you have DeAndre Jordan in place, and right now, I mean, even though Jared Allen was you know, he showed some prominence as a switching center. I still think you'd probably are better suited having him hang back a little closer to the rim. I just think that's a little more advantageous. So defensively, and I'm sorry, I'm going to go really into the play-by-play stuff, but what else do you expect at this point from me? Um, yeah. I think that's what you're looking at. Offensively, we already know what, what you know, the best type of offenses are for Kyrie and KD. You're going to make those guys, you're going to put those guys in the best positions possible. You're going to run KD off a pin down right near the baseline where he, you know, cuts up toward the uh, the mid-range and then makes that, you know, that elbow jump shot. You're going to run Kyrie off that double screen on the other side of the floor while you have one of the Nets ball handlers, whether it's Dinwiddie or Karis LeVert or maybe someone else, um, holding on to the ball. And then you're also going to put those guys in pick and roll. I mean, you can run that pick and roll with KD oh. setting the screen for Kyrie, and you can flip it around. You could have Kyrie set screens for KD. So... Mm -hmm. They're going to be I, – I, they have tons of options, and those guys kind of know who they are at that point and, and how they score and, you know, really what they want to do. So, you know, I, they might play fast, but I think ultimately in the half court, they're going to be kind of doing things pretty deliberately with pick and roll, and it's going to look a lot the same as it did last year. Now, the bench is where I think they can get really crazy with it, and I agree with you 100%, Nolan, that I, I could see them being really fast, especially if they got like a, a Dinwiddie or a Karis LeVert bench. Um, those guys are going to play fast. So it might be a case of two different teams. Yeah, I think Nash will be able to adjust on the run. Obviously, being a point guard in the NBA, you're a coach on the floor. And like Matt said, they ha he has so many different options in terms of like offensive firepower that he can kind of throw out, the, throw out there in different lineups, the starting lineup, the bench unit, whatever it might be. I think they'll play fast. I think they'll play with good pace, get up a lot of points. Where do you guys expect them to sit in terms of like offensive rating? Are we looking at a top five offense next top year? Top five. It's got top three, top three. I mean, you got Kevin Durant, you got Kyrie. Like at, at at absolute worst, it's gonna be like a top eight. But I fully expect top three. Oh, no, they're gonna be, they're top two. I honestly, let's just I like say it. top two right now. Let's set the bar high. Why are we setting the let? You know what? I like they're it. They should be best in the league. Who's gonna put a better offense together other than maybe the Mavericks? I mean, 
this team's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Mavericks had the best offense of all time this year. Um, Luca, you expect things to only get better there. One thing I, I, I obviously do think with the offensive talent that is on the roster, if they are not top three, it is a dis- disappointment. And you need to be a top offensive or defensive team. I've said this plenty of times on the pod to be a championship contender. And, and it's simple as that. You know, if they don't have a, an average defense, you know, focusing on the defensive side of things, I'm intrigued to see what he does with the assistant coaching ranks around him. You know, Jacques Vaughn obviously showed solid schemes with the, the lack of talent that he had in Orlando. So I think that there'll be some experience there. We'll get to maybe some assistant coaching sort of stuff a little bit later. But I think you guys sort of thinking the pace will be high. I think it will be at times. But I honestly think, do you think a, a Kyrie Irving is a, notoriously probably a more measured player when it t- comes to offense? Kevin Durant coming off an Achilles injury. These guys are going to want to push the pace seven seconds or less style. Uh, Steve Nash. I'm not 100% sure of that. I think that what I you guys agree. are sort of mentioning in terms of diversity, um, a utilitarian mm. style offense, maybe, because I just think that when you look at the personalities and skill sets of Kyrie Irving especially, I guess that's one thing, Nolan. Do you think that Kyrie Irving would warm to a, a utilitarian sort of open and, and free and team style based offense? Or is it going to take some convincing from him? Or are we going to see some some growing pains? You know, we chatted a little bit about Kyrie on the last pod, but I thought that we should touch on it a bit more here with your expertise. I think it's going to be hybrid. Everything you just said, I mean, offensively, the versatility is it's otherworldly. It's almost unparalleled in the NBA, where you can play quick, like Matt said, with like the set, with the second unit, and then you can slow things down in a half-court setting in crunch time, and you have two of the best shot creators the game really has ever seen in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, even if Kevin Durant's coming off of the Achilles tendon injury. I've always been a huge fan of the Dominique Wilkins theory where he hurt his right Achilles. He plans down with the left. He came back and had a career year. I mean, Kevin Durant, he can score any which way he wants. I still fully believe he's going to beat Kevin Durant, at least on the defensive end. Defensively, that was another argument. Kyrie Irving, I mean, he can break down anyone <laughs> essentially in isolation. There's going to be so much switching going on. They can create whatever shots they want. So there's just going to be a very diverse, a very versatile offense. They can play quick if they want to, or in crunch time, they can play a more isolation-based offense. Um, As far as a utilitarian offense, I think what we're going to see, probably not to the same extent where Kevin Durant was in Golden State, where they did have a motion spread offense, but they did give Kevin Durant a healthy diet of isolation. I think there's going to be ball movement. Um, I think it's going to be mostly spread to like a certain extent, but once the game slows down, I'm mean, like, we've seen this in the postseason, right? The value of a bucket getter, I know Pure Hoop Twitter is going to like that a lot, in the fourth quarter is incredibly valuable. And the Nets are going to have two of the best shot creators the game has ever seen that can get it any which way they want. They play them off the three-point line. They can pull up on a dime and give it to you from 16 feet out. They can take it all the way to the rack. They can drive and kick. I mean... it's going to be such an exciting offense moving forward. And with Steve Nash at the helm, there is really good reason to be hyped even more so for the start of the 2020-21 NBA season for the Nets. I think fundamentally, I'm not quite sure. Like, I I, I think that, like, I don't know, something fundamentally I'm not quite sure about what it's going to look like with him like I, I so his roots are like he's obviously played under a lot of different systems 
The mm-hmm. one thing I have pause with is I don't know if any of them make a ton of sense for the Nets. So, like, do you really want to be playing seven seconds or less with a guy no. coming off an Achilles tear? I mean, probably not. And then the Warriors, same thing. It's like, you know, you're going to be running guys off screens. It actually would make a ton of sense. And I, if you're trying to keep Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert in the fold, which I really do think they, they should do that, um, if you were doing that, it would make sense for them to do that. I just don't know if, if like, for Kyrie, for example, is he going to want to come off screens and, and always be moving around kind of like him and, and, and Joe Harris. So Joe Harris is going to do this uh, whether whether the coach tells him to or not. But will he be the same type of guy that, uh, that you know, runs around and, and is always cutting off screens and trying to go baseline, trying to sneak by, you know, defenders? I don't know. Um, I, so I, I that's the only pause I have is, like, I'm not sure if Nash's experience – will apply to this specific group. But I think there's going to be fundamental things that he's learned just, you know, again, being well-versed in this league. And I think he can apply that. Yeah, like Matt said, it's almost hard to kind of predict. It's almost like how much is Steve Nash going to influence the offense or is it going to be influenced more about like Kyrie and Katie and what they want? Obviously, Nash has the respect, but he got the job because, you know, they approved of it and they're still the key superstars in the situation and he's going to want to keep them happy. So I think, again, like they're going to be adapting, doing different things on the fly. It's really hard to say what type of offense they will run or it could be the type of thing like we mentioned before that they're just doing all different types of stuff and it's really keeping the defense on on their toes because there's just so much offensive firepower and different elements they can throw at you in so many different ways because a lot of these guys like Katie and Kyrie offensively can score on you from pretty much every possible way which gives Nash so much flexibility and then they have a guy like Dinwiddie a guy like Levert who can just add more to the pot I mean there's just a lot of different opportunities it's almost impossible to kind of predict what to expect one thing we've learned from watching this postseason is that individual shot creation in the half court is the most valuable thing you can do in the game today. And, and I Nets think having have, multiple shot creators too, not and just And the Nets one. have four of those guys that can do it. We've mentioned four names, Kaosovic, Spencer Dimity, Kyrie Irving, um, and Kevin Durant. All guys of varying levels that can do that themselves. You know, Kyrie did it against the Toronto Raptors, one of the, gets, one of the best defenses uh, in the league, if not the best. And that's mm-hmm. where I see a sort of, Sort of like an archetype sort of, and a comparison point to sort of look at. We see the Toronto Raptors with their creativity and the malleability on the defensive side of things with Nick Nurse. I think we might see a similar sort of thing from Steve Nash as an offensive coach. Yeah. In terms of being able to go, let's just throw all this wacky stuff here. Let's just throw this high pick and roll in here. Let's spread this, spread yep. the floor out. Let's uh, get five out. Let's play some KD at the five. I, I think that. That's where the Nets really need to weaponize themselves. And as long as they remain an average-ish defense, and uh, I think that there's enough talent there to be better than the worst defense in the league, I do think that this does need to be some stuff added. But I think that that's where Nash obviously knows that, you know, he's not probably doesn't have the greatest defensive mind in the game, has one of the great offensive minds in the history of the game. So I think that that's where, you know, Jacques Vaughn comes in. That's when other assistant coaches come in. That's where Adam Harrington comes in. That's when, you know, those guys are like, well, we know Vaughn is going to stay. Adam Harrington has a history with, with Steve Nash. I would be surprised if he doesn't stay as well. So I guess in saying that, guys... You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national treasures like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. 
Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Do you think, and I'm asking the big question early, do you think that the Nets win a title under Steve Nash? It's a question already being asked. Or maybe, let's put it this way for you, Nolan. Best case scenario for Steve Nash in his four-year tenure with the Brooklyn Nets and worst case scenario under Steve Nash. Uh, I mean, we all have heavy expectations for these Brooklyn Nets, so I'm just going to come out and say it. You know, Matt gave a hot take out early saying this should be the best offense in the league next year. I'm going to come out and say, yeah, they should win a title. Uh, wow. The conference is completely wide open. I mean, you see flaws with all the major teams right now out east. Um, the Bucks, just they're just... I don't know if it's a Coach Bud issue. I don't know if it's Giannis and Middleton issue or just a combination of both. They don't look right. The Heat are a great team, but I do like the Nets' odds if they were to match up against the Heat. Celtics are probably my biggest threat to dethrone the uh, Nets, not just next year, but the year after that. I mean, they got just an incredible team. The Raptors are likely losing Van Vliet and Ibaka. So... The Eastern Conference is wide open, man, and I, I, I can't think of a reason as to not go against the Nets. I mean, like you guys just said, we've seen the value of shot creation in crunch time. I mean, defensively, yeah, I think they need to add in a couple pieces. I mean, mini MLE targets, minimums, you can get versatile wings like a, a Jay Crowder, potentially Paul Millsap. Uh, to Michael Green, or he get like a stretch big backup like Aaron Baines, because right now the center rotation is a little duplicative. But I fully expect, and I'm not going to um, lower my expectations, I fully expect the title. That is obviously the best case scenario for Steve Nash in his four-year tenure is to host a parade in Brooklyn. Now, worst case scenario, I mean, like we all know what the biggest asterisk surrounding the Nets is in the immediate future is health. It's can Kevin Durant stay healthy? Can Kyrie Irving stay healthy? Uh, we don't know if they pursue a third star. S- say they do, hypothetically. Um, I'm not really in favor of this anymore, but say they go out and get like a Drew Holiday type. I mean, he's had a, his long list of injury concerns. So health is always going to be concern number one when I'm predicting what the Nets can do down the road. It's unfortunately unavoidable. So that would be absolute worst case scenario is that this team has health concerns moving forward. Do I think they're going to? No, I mean, no. You never want to say player X is going to be unhealthy in a two to three year window. But that ultimately, for me, is going to be the worst case scenarios that the Nets have uh, health concerns. And then obviously the record plummets, et cetera, et cetera. All right. I'm going to follow up your hot take with a hot yes. take. Shocker. Yes. All right. Uh, so next year. 
it's 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 title or bust next year. Like that's it. Um, the the Raptors and the Heat are circling. All right, the 2021 free agency class is nice, and one of those two teams, I really truly feel like, is gonna get Giannis Antetokounmpo. And when that happens. I don't know what you do. Or he goes to the Warriors, or he goes to the Mavericks. Either way, this guy is going to go somewhere, and it's going to really shake up the league. So you got to win it this year. Even if that doesn't happen, the Celtics are inevitably going to take a leap. I'm actually a little more optimistic about the Raptors. I think they break, you know, uh, Fred Van Vliet back, and OG Ananobi continues to ascend, and maybe you get a little more out of Siakam. I'm a, weirdly a little optimistic on them. Go to the other conference. The Clippers are going to be a problem, and I had to assume they'd elect into those player player options in their last year, though that can change. Um, you run also into the Nuggets, who I think are ascending, and they may have something a little bit more than what we expected. The Mavericks are going to be a problem. Um, so these are the teams that I'm just looking at. I'm circling them right now thinking, yeah, those teams are, you know, it may, it may not be linear progression, but they are going to progress in the next two years. So for Brooklyn, it's an older team. They're built to win now. You need to do whatever you need to do to win this year. I think right now, looking at that team, I think they're a really good team. I'm a little skeptical about some of the injury things. I'm not quite sure about the fit. I think they're going to roll into next year. I think they're going to go out there and, and do whatever they've got to do with this specific group. Um, if they come out a little bit flat, I wouldn't be surprised if they make a minor trade at the deadline. But ultimately, yeah, next year's a title or bust. So, you know, I, I feel good about it. I don't think I feel incredible about it but that's just because there's so many question marks and by the way this head coach it's it feels crazy to say because he's an NBA legend um he's a question mark too like I, I might as well just say that now <laughs> yeah I think if you're looking at it I'll go start with worst case I think you know Steve Nash doesn't work out you know maybe he doesn't even finish out his contract it just doesn't work out or you know like no one mentioned you deal with injuries with Katie and Kyrie or there's some type of chemistry issue between those guys or other guys in the team or they can't add enough defense to really get over the hump. I think the best case scenario over the course of four years would be, you know, winning a championship, maybe multiple championships, and then Nash getting, you know, KD and Kyrie to accept their player option for that fourth year. So I think that would be, yeah. you know, best case scenario. And then it looks like Nash not only has won the Nets championships, but he looks like he could be the coach for this team after KD and Kyrie leave. And this is the coach of the Nets for the next 10, 10 years. You know, I think that would be best case because we know what type of mind Steve Nash has and everything works out. You know, that's a real possibility too. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I echo everything that you guys sort of say. The Nets need to win the title within one or two years. Obviously, there are extenuating circumstances with injuries and, and things happen along the way. But the Nets need to play quality basketball. And obviously, there's going to be some sort of a lead, surely, for Steve Nash. But... The expectations are already so high. Again, we're going to make a lot of comparison points because you know this is a non-championship team looking to becoming a championship team. So we looked at previous championship teams and the adversity that they went through. You know, the Miami Heat were like at 500 under Eric Spolstra and their big three. And LeBron James goes to Pat Riley, fire this guy, I don't want him anymore. Does KD or Kyrie do that and go up to Sean Marks when we're you know 10 and 11, you know 21 games into the next season? 
maybe I could certainly see it happening. I think those guys, or at least Kyrie, is someone that I could certainly see doing that because notoriously he hasn't got along with any, if at all, of his coaches and all of the all of his coaches. But there's obviously a difference in personality and standing and experience with Steve Nash in terms of you know if you don't have respect for Steve Nash, who are you going to have respect for in that sort of respect? And I said respect a lot there. Sorry, but I feel in, like the in, only coach well, he's had respect for is Coach K. Yeah, but I also would say Brad Stevens. Like, Brad Stevens yeah. was immediately respected right out the gates, yep. and that clearly just, like, didn't... I mean, we can... Like, I'm I'm, I'm all for looking at the positives of this, but there's also a lot of, like... There is... It's, it's the ultimate high-ceiling, potentially low-floor team. It really is. Yeah, the Steve Nash hire was just like, hey, we're pushing all of our chips in to make this as good as possible. It could be terrible, but yep. we're going to go all in. And, hey, we don't necessarily love all the coaches on the market, and we think Nash has the potential to be a really, really good coach. So we're mm-hmm. just going to take the risk now and see what happens. And, hey, we are already you – don't, you don't get to this point in like, hey, I'm, I want to be an Eastern Conference finalist or I want to get deep in the playoffs. You want to win a championship, so you need to go max out. And I think Marks will do that in terms of like the offseason and roster moves too. And he only doubled down on their variance, like the level of variance with this team, like bringing in a new coach that, I mean, if it goes well, like, can you think of a mind that's going to bring out more from Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? I don't. I mean, available, like looking at what's available on the market, um, I, I just don't see that happening. Conversely, it's a new head coach. I don't think you could get someone with any less coaching experience. Like, so in a way that kind of adds is they're such a fun experiment, man. I'm, I, in that way, like just from being somebody that likes weird things in the NBA and likes exciting stories, um, they're just so interesting in that way. I agree. I agree totally. And, and I think that <clears throat> there's, there's going to be eyeballs aplenty uh, out in Brooklyn. And I think the thing for, for me is the culture, we, we t- we've spoken about the Brooklyn Nets culture, culture, culture for years on end. And then everyone's like, oh, where's the culture gone? There's Katie and Kyrie. Well, we know superstars drive culture. And Sean Marks has been... The, the prototype, the the key driver for any semblance of success for the last four years in Brooklyn. And we're all massive Sean Mark stands here. I might may or may not bring on a, a Kiwi accent on the podcast soon enough. <laughs> yes. Maybe not today. It'll probably be better than the American one. No, the American <laughs> one was an all-time moment of this. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, I did sing O Canada at the start of the podcast. So I'm continuing <laughs> to embarrass myself on this podcast, but why not? In saying that, does Sean Marks have the internal fortitude to go, no, Steve Nash is my guy. You suck it up, Kyrie. You suck it up, Katie. You suck it up, Spencer. This is the guy, and we need to go through this together. We need to get through this adversity. We're not just going to you know, sink. Or it's not gonna, It's not a sink, sinking moment. I'm right. really intrigued to sort of see Sean Marks' role throughout this when the adversity does happen because we, we see the sort of simple platitudes from him when it comes to we barely get anything when he's speaking to the media and such, but... We're going to need to see open and forthright communication in a way that probably hasn't been hasn't been uh, a symptom of the, the the current Brooklyn Nets regime because you know it's not just the us casual Brooklyn Nets fans guys doing a podcast for three or four years about the team. We've now got fans all around the world who are superstar fans of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. They're going to want answers no matter what. They're going to want answers about Steve Nash. If Steve Nash stands as well. So I think that the organizational response throughout this time, because, you know, championships don't come easy, despite the fact that, you know, 
Steve Kerr as a first-time head coach won one in 2015. Ty Lue won one in 2016, the year after. And then three years later, Nick Nurse won one as a first-time head coach as well. So over the past five years, three of the five championships have come from first-time head coaches. It bodes well, I guess, narrative-wise for Steve Nash. Mm -hmm. But one thing I want to ask you, Nolan, and the rest of you guys is, do you see this uh, the storyline of Steve Nash and the storyline of the Brooklyn Nets to be more Jason Kidd? Or to be more Steve Kerr, or is there an in between? What What are your thoughts on that? Oh man, that's a good one. Um, again, like, unfortunately, there's there is like I mentioned earlier, there's no sample size. We we don't know what Steve Nash is right now as an NBA head coach. We don't know what schemes are going to run. We have a general idea of what he might do, but ultimately, we're still kind of in the dark, um, and we will be until we finally get to witness opening night of the 2020-21 NBA season. Um, I'm going to lean, and I know it might sound like a biased opinion because Steve Nash is Canadian. He's from British Columbia, Victoria on Vancouver Island. I'm from Vancouver, British Columbia. Yes, sir. There's that, there's that connection. There's like that infatuation with Steve Nash. I mean, my best friend works at a place called Steve Nash Fitness Club, even though he has nothing to do with the namesake anymore. His legal problems shouldn't really get into it. Probably shouldn't have mentioned it. Anyway, he... The Jason Kidd thing was different because what Jason Kidd was given is completely different to what Steve Nash is going to get in his first year with the right. Nets. I mean, you're getting a prime Kyrie Irving. You're getting a 32-year-old Kevin Durant. You're getting plenty of complimentary assets. They could go trade. They could keep what they have. Either way, they're going to be good. I mean, you're not getting <laughs> the Boston Celtics um, – Memorial Service home. And this is not this is a completely different situation. I mean, Pierce was what, 35, 36, or 34, KG was 36. Washed. Yeah, Terry. I mean, those guys were let's be honest, they were they were a little washed and they mortgaged the future for that, you know, two year run where they maxed out at forty nine wins and a second round exit via the hands of LeBron James and the Miami Heat. This is a completely different situation, a completely different executive, a completely different culture. I would lean more towards this could go really well. Uh, will it go as well as what Steve Kerr had in Golden State? Five straight finals appearances, three out of five uh, rings in that span. I mean, probably not. But it's not going to be as low as the Jason Kidd moment once. And, like, I hate to say it, but Jason Kidd, he's got a bit of an eagle compared to Steve Nash. I mean, just, Steve Nash, just, just, just. <laughs> nobody has ever said anything bad about Steve Nash ever, maybe outside of Dwight Howard in 2013 in their uh, skirmishes <laughs> on the court. But outside of that, I mean, who has ever said a bad thing about Steve Nash? He's probably going to be malleable. He is a communicator, and Sean Mark said that in the Woj article. That's exactly what Kyrie Irving, that's exactly what Kevin Durant needed. I think he's going to be fine, you know, like I honestly do. Matt? I, I agree. I think he's going to be fine. If I'm going to answer the question, honestly, 100% with my heart, like I want to do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Always go with your heart, Matt. Always I'm going with my heart. You know, I'm a real sentimental guy. If I'm looking at experience and in terms of what these guys approach these jobs with, Kerr had experience as a general manager. He'd done some play-by-play. Yep. -play. He looked at the game in many different ways. And whether or not you're calling the shots, you're at least looking at it from the perspective of somebody that's, you know, a lot of times commentating on the way that guys are calling the game. He just had a little bit more. I mean, I, look, I know he started fresh in a lot of ways, but he was at least viewing the game from a play-by-play -play analytical way 
um, as an outsider in a lot of ways. And I think that translated. TNT it, Champions League play doesn't mean anything yep. to you, Matt. I, <laughs> um, I, I mean, yeah, good point. There we go. Can't refute that one. No, I mean, so, so, and, and you have Jason Kidd basically retires, becomes a coach pretty much right, like right straight away. Right. If I'm yeah. About that. No so, break either. No break either. If I'm looking at pure experience, I'm probably going to say he's closer to a Jason Kidd. Now, will the results be the same thing as a Jason Kidd? Probably not, because this team is really talented. And they, as I said, they're in title or bust mode. That does make things a little more combustible for him, who he's got to learn a lot of things on the fly. He's got to learn how to, you know, what type of systems he wants to put in place, um, what type of an offense he wants to do, how to you know, see adjustments real time. I think that's going to be the biggest thing that he'll probably struggle with. Like for somebody like a Steve Kerr, he's calling games. He's actually calling out whiffed rotations. He's calling out the missed adjustments as they tend to do when you're, you know, watching a game. That's one of my favorite parts about a lot of this um, and watching a, a basketball game on these major networks. So that's, I think the thing that will be difficult for him but again like it's there's so much talent some of sometimes it just really doesn't matter that much uh yeah. you know what i mean like and even like with a tai Lu, i'm like yeah i know what tai Lu did and i think he was really good um he also played with lebron or he coached lebron james and i don't know if that's really going to translate for him in the future you know a lot of times you kind of are a product of the guys that you coach so i think that bodes well for him but to answer the question i actually think he probably trends a little closer to kid at this point in time I think there's different elements where you can kind of connect it to each guy. Like Matt said, the lack of coaching experience kind of, you know, correlates a little bit better with Kidd. Obviously, Nash did have the player consultant role and his whatever his role was with Team Canada as well. But I think of, like, the personality, he doesn't have the same ego that Jason Kidd does. I would say his personality is more similar to, like, a Steve Kerr, more laid back and, like, a positive vibes. And I think, like, his communication skills are going to work a lot better because he, I think, was a more vocal leader than Jason Kidd was. Jason Kidd was more of a I'm going to lead by example type of guy. And I'm not sure he had the deep relationships that Steve Nash had with some of his former teammates or even the former players he worked with a la Kevin Durant. So I think there's connections from both sides. I feel like it's almost kind of in between where I don't want to say it's the best of both worlds, but you're getting a lot of positive things from both sides and maybe some more of the negative stuff connected to the kid with the lack of coaching experience. Yeah, as a kid, I used to love those connect the dots. You know, you're always just like, where's number one? Where's number two? And uh, I, I can't help but sort of look at the and, and, and listen to you guys and go, oh, okay, there's a there's a couple of negative connected dots over here. Or there's a couple of positive ones for Steve Nash over here. Coaching experience, it's a lot closer to, to Jason Kidd. You're obviously, we've seen his one-on-one -on -one time in, in Golden State with Kevin Durant and others. So there's a little bit of something. General manager um, for the Canadian national team. So there's a little bit of basketball experience as well. In saying that, I think that we're all worldly citizens here in the United Nations of the Brooklyn Bucks. And I can't <laughs> help but think that life experience and where your desires and motivations lie at certain points in time drive where you, you drive where your your passion is. And right now I think that Steve Nash, you know, all that we've heard has a has a real passion for it. And I think Jason Kidd, if we're making a, a direct comparison point to him, you guys all mentioned it. Ego character tick tick steve nash cross cross jason kidd i've made made no bones about the fact of how negatively i think about kittlefinger and not just his discretions <laughs> on the court but his discretions off the court and we haven't and as nolan mentioned i'll reiterate 
Have we heard anything negatively in terms of that about Steve Nash? No. But he still has the same competitive desire and drive that Jason Kidd does. But he also has a more a more inclusive way of, of driving success. And I think that that is going to bode well for him. And that's similar, I guess, to Steve Kerr as well. I think that to cop out and sit on the fence, there is probably slightly, we're somewhere in the middle of this spectrum. There are a lot of similarities to Steve Nash in terms of personality, in terms of probably style of game. But there's also a lot of similarities with Jason Kidd in terms of who they are as players. Um, their general lack of experience. So we're all hoping that we see uh, the Steve Kerr narrative and the Steve Kerr storyline play out. You know, I, I certainly uh, wouldn't be upset with three out of five championships at all. Heck, I'd be happy with one. But in, in saying that, you have to analyze it as objectively as possible. I guess in saying that, we have mentioned Ty Lu a little bit on this pod. I want to bring a, a bit of a take from you, uh, a, a take to you fellas from Mark Berman of the, the New York Post. Right. On paper, uh, and again, a New York Knicks guy, so take it as much as with a grain of salt. But I want to bring it to you anyway. On paper, the Nets have talent to compete for the Eastern Conference title. Why take this Steve Nash risk when Tyron Lue is sitting there as a proven commodity in getting the most out of Kyrie Irving? Nolan, should the Nets have taken Ty Lue instead of Steve Nash? I mean, I can't lie to you. I thought Ty Lue was a favorite. I think most yeah. of us thought Ty Lue was a favorite. I mean, Steve Nash, was he on anyone's radar? I mean, apparently, reportedly, they made this hire all the way back in May. I, I mean, Puccio's radar. Only Puccio knew. And, I mean, at the Classic. end of the day, like, that's news. Yeah. It's always going to be Puccio at the end of the day. And our guy, um, Austin, uh, whatever his last name is. Matthew Crow. Yeah. yeah. Don't there sleep on my guy. <laughs> yeah, I think he was like the only one that potentially made that connection. I mean, none of us even knew Steve Nash wanted to coach yet. So no rumors surfaced, nothing. I thought for sure it was going to be Ty Lue. I mean, there was a report that came out that he might want $7 million. I don't know if that at all deterred. Sean Marks apparently did it because he knew who his guy was back in May. Ty Lue, it, it's tough. The Ty Lue situation... I mean, you, you see Cleveland Cavaliers bloggers come on, and like I read a bunch of articles on Ty Lue because I thought he was going to be our guy, and they all say he's an X's and O's genius. He's, he can make in-game adjustments. I mean, goddamn, he beat the 73-9 Warriors after <laughs> being down three games to one. I mean, that is quite the achievement as a rookie head coach, no less. But I, it's Ty Lue a sure thing. Like, I want to ask – I want to throw it back to you guys. Like, do, okay. do you have full confidence that if Ty Lue was the coach behind – the bench for the Brooklyn Nets, who, you know, might be, I hate to say it, like a little bit of a pushover with what we saw in Cleveland with LeBron James and Kyrie Irving, me, et cetera. Where, like, Steve Nash might be able to command a little more respect out of those guys sure. being one of the best damn floor generals the league has ever seen. It's not really... It's, it's hard to say. Like, I don't... I never really thought Ty, Ty Lue was going to be the home run hit. I mean, it was always going to be, hey, if we can't get Pop, if I can't, <laughs> which was always out there too, but if we couldn't get him, like, I'm okay with settling for Ty Lue. But now that Steve Nash is out there, I mean, if this report came out months ago that they had interest in Steve Nash, I'd be looking at the two and measure, measuring them pretty closely, despite the successes that Ty Lue had with the 2016 Cavaliers. Because outside of that, I mean, damn, like, there weren't too many people that were Steve, uh, Ty Lue, sorry, truthers in 2017 and obviously that horrific start once LeBron James left when he got fired barely 10 games into the season. I don't know. How do you guys feel? Um, 
you know, I, I think the funny thing, and I, I think Berman has a point, honestly, like I, I don't, you know, I, I'm not sure like with this group that is now in title or bus mode, I've, I've kind of l- laid out the, what the groundwork looks like yeah. for all these teams that are going to be fighting. I think there's a solid point there. Why take the risk at the head coach position? Like if this doesn't work out and they have to move on, they then are working within a market that's, I'm assuming most of these guys are going to be hired in different locations. I think it's a good point. Honestly, like, and I, I have like high, I, I feel really good about the Nash hiring in terms of like, I know what he could be, but I think there's a genuine point there of like, we know what a baseline of Ty Lue is and like every coach is going to have his pluses and minuses. But the thing that he seems to be really good at, um, it matters in the playoffs. Like adjustments, really important. We've seen guys uh, that <laughs> have not adjusted in this year's playoffs. Uh, a certain guy whose last name rhymes with uh, Muddenholzer. So <laughs> I was I, gonna uh, say like, how are you gonna rhyme that? Man? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I mean, I kind of get it. I'm like, yeah, I think that there was probably a safer way of doing this. I would assume it comes down to the two guys that it always seems to come down to, plus their big seven foot friend, uh, Kyrie and KD. I'm assuming. What else can it be, right? Yeah, I think you look at it this way. I think Ty Lue was a safer bet, and I think the floor is definitely higher, but I don't think the ceiling's as high as Steve Nash. I think the ceiling with Steve Nash, maybe Sean Marks is thinking dynasty. Maybe he's thinking, hey, we can win multiple championships, or he can get the best out of these guys, and we can get really crazy and stuff, and I think Ty Lue is just more of the safe bet because he's won a championship, and I mean, I think he would have gotten the respect from Katie and Kyrie because this is a guy that I think challenged LeBron in the finals and told him he needs to be better if they're going to come back from 3-1. So I think that situation with Lou is like, okay, we know what we can get with him, but we're aiming even higher. We want to have, you know, one of the best coaches in the league. And maybe we think Lou is possibly a top 15, top 10 guy. And we think Nash can be that top five guy and can really get the most out of all these. And, you know, like Matt mentioned, maybe the relationship with Ty Lou and Kyrie really wasn't there. I know there was like conflicting reports saying, you know, Ty Lou and Kyrie didn't get along at all. They didn't talk when he was at his final stint in Cleveland. And then reports came out that, you know, Kyrie would be okay with Tylo being the coach maybe it wasn't as smooth as people wanted to to believe because like Lou looked like he was the favorite and then Nash popped out of nowhere and they're like oh well we'd actually really rather have Steve Nash and Tylo well let me ask you this like why do you like I, I think of all the places do you think it's like unusual to take the risk at the coach position I, I feel like of all the things that have like a lot of variance I don't know if the upside outweighs the downside in that I that's a weird point yeah, but uh, no I, I agree I mean it's it's definitely interesting to take a risk on a coach in a situation like this and and not knowing anything about him. It's not like he's even coached, you know, G league or internationally or something. So like he has no resume, but I think this like really came down to relationships and the KD relationship with Steve Nash and the Sean Mark relationship with Steve Nash. I think it just kind of connects everything together and they just felt like that was going to be bigger than everything else they kind of got because I I think they look at it like hey our talent is so high and that's really all that matters and we really just need to manage these egos and manage these relationships and the chemistry of the team and Nash might be better at doing that than Ty Lue where Ty Lue might be the probably is the better X's and O's guy and obviously has substantially more experience I think it's a calculated risk yeah that's my honest take on it yep It, it, it absolutely is and I've got a question for you guys in a little bit before I give, uh, just after I give my take on, you know, the, the, the Lou V. Nash, I guess, sort of conundrum. 
I personally uh, I'm more I lean a little bit towards what Matt, what Matt is saying. Tai Lu has a championship and probably one of the great championships in the history of the sport. How much do you want to credit him to that above LeBron James and above you know, our own Kyrie Irving with the, the shot? Literally, he has uh, the shot, one of the great final moments uh, in the history of the NBA. You know, I think that a lot of credit does go to Tyloo in terms of being able to empower his players to garner that trust, the X's and O's that Nolan alluded to. I personally would have been a tad more comfortable with Tyloo, but not as enthused and giddy in a way because it's it's Steve Nash at the end of the day. You know, we're all talking about and raving about, you know, just who he is as in his history with the game, who he is as a person, just the the, the cool dude, the, the, the Brooklyn hipster, all this sort of stuff. But... Ty Lu is a proven NBA coach in in the NBA. And yes, obviously, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers as his most recent head coach experience leaves a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth. But I almost discredit that in a way of, of sort of like Frank Vogel and what he did in Orlando. You know, yeah. I, I just think that we, we judge them by what matters. And what mattered with Ty Lu is that he got a championship and a championship that a lot of people sort of say, oh, that championship, that means like two. You know, they came back, they, they made the biggest comeback in the history of the NBA. So for me... I probably would have been more comfortable with Tai Lu, but I'm not any less enthusiastic and any less intrigued by the Steve Nash hiring. But Nolan and the rest of you guys, I wanted to bring to you uh, another I just want to bring up one more point, Jack, and it was sure. off something Matt said last week, and I think this is kind of connected here, is that Joe Sy wanted the big splash move. Mm, like Steve they don't Nash do just... No more. Yeah, there Steve Nash pops way more than Ty Lue. And that's no disrespect to Ty Lue, who was a solid player and obviously has an NBA championship, but Steve Nash. We're talking about a Hall of Famer, MVP-type guy. Right. You know, no one talked about how much of the impact he had in Canada in terms of basketball and everything like that. Just it really... Canadian citizen, but sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> and it really doesn't get bigger in terms of coaching hires other than Popovich. There was nobody else in the market that would have made as big a splash as Steve Nash did other than Pop. Yeah. I think it's I think it's telling the New York media, hey, Brooklyn's the box office draw here, not the other yeah. borough. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. I get. I guess in saying that, sort of piggybacking piggybacking off what you said, Nick, do you think that Sean Marks and Joe Sy did an exhaustive enough search, or were they like Steve Nash, Steve Nash, Steve Nash? Hey, Steve, how you going? Steve, 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 Mr. Nash, Mr. Nash, Stevie, Stevie, Stevie. Yeah, because they had to have pursued him. No, I actually uh, Nash pursued the job. Oh, How really? much do you believe that, though? Like, it, I, honestly, I, I, I see it a little bit, which is, I why I want to ask, which is why I want to ask Nolan and, and then Matt and Nick get your thoughts on it. Were the Nets too narrow-minded and narrow-focused in terms of their pursuit of Steve Nash? Or do you think that they made the calls to Pop? They made the calls to Tyloo? They made the calls to Ime Adoka? They obviously, we know about the interview with Jacques Vaughn. Nolan, do you think that their, their search was as exhaustive as they're saying? Or do you think that we're getting some uh, some some media drivel sort of fed to us as Nets fans. What, what, what are your thoughts, I guess, on the, the Nash hiring as a holistic sort of decision? Uh, so let's look at the timeline. First week of March, Kenny Axon shown the door. Um, we now know that Steve Nash apparently was hired, essentially, uh, informally back in May. So it was a two-month uh, two window there amid a pandemic. Um, I've... I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Like, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I don't know if they exhausted all options. I don't. I don't know if they made a real strong push for Pop. Um, I don't know if they just were looking at Ty Lue with intrigue. Obviously, with what he's done, we've just talked about it. But then saw Steve Nash and wanted the more box office draw, more box office hit. I'm. I'm. I'm not entirely sure 
that they exhausted all options before deciding to go to Steve Nash. And, I mean, Jacques Vaughn, essentially what he did in the bubble, uh, let's be honest, wasn't going to matter regardless if this hire was, in fact, made back in May. And is that entirely fair to Jacques Vaughn? I don't know. He's going to be the lead assistant. He's the highest paid lead assistant right now in the NBA, and he earned every penny. I mean, he showed a lot of moxie with that Nets team at 5-3 and three in the seeding games, 2-0 and oh before that, 7-3 in the final 10 regular season games. Ultimately got swept by the Toronto Raptors, but, like, is anybody surprised there with a makeshift roster bivouacked in Disney World in the bubble? Not entirely. I think they saw Steve Nash, and they, they, they saw that he was potentially available for them, and they might have actually clung on to that idea. And I, I get it. You know, it's again, it's another box office hit. I mean, this is back to back off seasons where the Nets are making loud moves. They're really announcing the presence to the rest of the NBAs. Steve Nash has a certain oomph to him that Ty Lue, the safer pig, doesn't have. Matt? Yeah, I'd, um, all right. Well, I, I first off would like to say I can't speculate about the Nets anymore because I just am wrong every time. <laughs> like I can't do it. I just can't do it. I've I've been you know I've I've made this mistake one too many times. Um, I'll just piggyback off this. If they didn't do an exhaustive search and they just went with the sexy name, my again talking from the heart. Uh, my gut reaction to that is not necessarily a good one now again it may not matter because of the, the as i've mentioned and as other people have mentioned on this podcast as well the talent might override everything like you have Kyrie and kd and a bunch of really good supplementary pieces it really might not matter i mean it really doesn't you can put me in that coaching position you might be able to go all the way to the finals <laughs> next year so so i mean that might be that might be how it works but i mean i if that's the plan is to try to be the new york team and you know be the flashy team in terms of marketing I don't love that in terms of I just try to look at this stuff from like pure, I don't know, the best possible version of team building. Um, but I mean, I, I think that it's really too hard. I, I can't even answer it. Honestly. Yeah, that was a tough one. Nick? <laughs> I just, I feel like we'll never know. I mean, maybe it's a better question for Pooch. Like maybe he'll have more insider info about who they actually yeah. interviewed. But even looking at the time, like Nolan kind of hinted at, you figure the season ends, you know, around the same time Kenny resigned or got fired, whatever we want to call it, then you can't imagine them doing interviews for the rest of March because everyone was dealing with a pandemic, including the Nets, and trying to make sure their players were in good situations and getting them proper like fitness and things like that. So they really only had a month in or two to really look at these coaches. And they could have done a deep dive search or they could have only interviewed a few guys. I feel like we really will never know. One thing that made me think – like, oh, Snash got the, the lock-in right away, was maybe like the nod from KD. Maybe it was just like the nod from everybody. We're like, Sean Marks is like, I really love this guy. We have a close relationship. Joe Sai was like, oh, man, this is going to help our brand. And KD's like, oh, I love this guy. He's actually somebody that understands me. And Kyrie was like, oh, I respect him as a point guard. So maybe it was just like all the check marks and all the other candidates didn't have those. I, yeah. I, I personally like to think that they did it for Nolan Jensen, the Canadian next day. <laughs> Yes, that's, sir. What that's what I'm sticking with. And, They're like, uh, this fan in uh, Canada, like, we can really build out there. I mean, it's not a bad point. You know, Matt Brooks and I are obviously big fans of uh, what he'll bring to the hipsterdom of Brooklyn. Oh. Uh, in <laughs> before we get to that and before we finish this one up, I'll give my, I guess, thoughts on it. Does it matter that it was an exhaustive search? Maybe. Ma maybe Matt is right in saying that, that, you know, as an organization, you need to do your due, di due diligence. 
Did they actually contact Tyloo? Did they um, contact um, Greg Popovich? Or was it always Mr. Nash, Steve, sir, Mr. Nash, Steve, sir? Um, may, I, I don't know that. And obviously, we can speculate as much as we want. And maybe it doesn't even matter because what does matter is that KD wanted this, Kyrie probably wanted this, Sean Marks wanted this, and Joe Sy wanted this. And at the end of the day, you know, do you need to interview six mics and 11 candidates like they did across the pond in, um, in New York, Nick's land? Maybe, but they ultimately came to the decision that we all knew that they would. Whereas the behind the scenes of, of the Brooklyn Nets is something that we will never know. Uh, I have a, a close kinship to my Kiwi brother in, in Sean Marks. You know, we're obviously from the same hemisphere, but knowing what happens in that man's mind uh, is as good a guess as, as anyone else's. But any final thoughts, Nolan, uh, before we wrap this one up? Final thoughts. Man, I don't know. I feel like we've uh, touched base on, on literally everything here. We did uh, 55 minutes worth of Steve Nash content. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to like reiterate kind of what Matt said and what I said earlier, too. You just got to go out now and execute. You got to go. We need a parade in Brooklyn. I need to, you know, hopefully COVID and everything in the world slows down and I can make a trip down to Brooklyn oh, in the near future and we can all go and celebrate down in Brooklyn, have a few beers and celebrate the championship. That's that's it's all about execution now. Go out and get it done. Go out and win a chip. You have apparently all the pieces you need. Man, you know, Sands maybe that third star, your box office draw. Now it's just go get the title or go get, sorry, the franchise's first title in NBA history. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm I'm giddy. I'm, I'm sure Nolan will be, will be back on the pod. And um, again, we've done, what, two hours on the Steve Nash hiring, and I still have about six or seven points in my Google Doc where you have to touch on. We're going to get lots of content. we got a press conference tomorrow. We're going <laughs> to be recording then. Uh, immediately, like immediately, essentially following that, so you can expect the pod based off that as well. So, if you're looking for, if you're as much Steve Nash stands as we are, then you better be subscribed to the Brooklyn Buzz, which you can find on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Great show, fellas! Thank you everybody for listening. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts.